Yes, this is Vance, and this is, as you can tell, the Halloween-themed VegCast. Uh, We will be having some tricks, some treats, some scary uh, science facts, a musical selection about holding a bag of candy, and our centerpiece, which is only tangentially related to the Halloween theme, Uh, But we will be talking with Dr. Neil Barnard, who will be trading his doctor's outfit for the glamorous duds of a rock guitarist as we take a look at his band, Verdun. All of that is coming up on this special Halloween edition of VegCast, the Veggie Podcast. All right. Now, if you follow vegetarianism at all, you're probably familiar with the name of Neil Barnard. He is uh, the head of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, uh, which is an organization of doctors uh, that, through lobbying, through lawsuits, through uh, press releases, through science, uh, and in myriad ways, Uh, bring forth the facts about vegetarianism and also exposing uh, some of the facts about what goes on in the corridors of power that determines uh, what America eats and so forth. And I think uh, it can easily be said that PCRM uh, has done as much as any organization for uh, the cause of vegetarianism, for making it easier to be vegetarian, and for bringing some of the important facts to light about vegetarianism. Uh, However, we are not going to focus so much on that aspect of Neil Barnard here, but rather on his band Verdun. uh, And the connection to the Halloween show basically is that I had already slotted it for this show before I knew exactly uh, when I was going to be doing this. Uh, But I thought of a couple ways I could justify it. Uh, You have, with Halloween, the whole people jumping out and shouting, boo, kind of thing. And that's surprise. Well, you might be surprised at how uh, accomplished a musician Neil Barnard actually is. Uh, And that's not really a very good uh, connection. So I thought I might say, you know, this music is so good it's scary. But it's not really scary. The names of the songs, though, do certainly uh, suggest a Halloween type of environment. You have songs called Nightfall, Fate, Page of Swords, Dream of the Black Horse, uh, that kind of thing, as well as Purple Haze, of course. Um, And finally, it's just that the music itself, although it does not sound like any Halloween music you've ever heard, it certainly... Uh, has a somewhat otherworldly quality here and there. So, without further ado, I would like to uh, go right into the interview, Halloween-themed or not, uh, with Dr. Neil Barnard of Verdun. 
We are here now speaking with Dr. Neil Bernard of uh, Verdun and also of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Uh, Dr. Bernard or Neil, if I may, uh, welcome to VegCast. Well, thank you, Vance. It's great to be with you. And it's great to have you here. Um, now, this is uh, the album that we're talking about is just a it's the uh, eponymous, the self-titled Verdun. I mean, that's that's just the name of it, right? That's it. Um, and that's the name of of the group. Could you tell me uh, just very briefly how this group Verdun uh, came to be? Did you uh, you seem to be the motivating uh, force behind it? Uh, did you just start corralling a bunch of people you knew, or what what happened there? Yes, but back when I was in medical school and in residency, I always had bands. And as hard as I was working in my own training, I uh, kept coming back to some musical education that I'd had as a, as a child. And for Verdun, I wanted to record some of the musical ideas that I'd been having uh, really percolating around for a number of years. And so I pulled together some old friends and also some uh, new folks that I hadn't had the opportunity to work before, one of whom was Martha Roebuck, mm-hmm. who is just a wonderful singer. And uh, I had originally hooked up with her just to do some mock vocals that were going to be replaced by a Vietnamese singer. Mm-hmm. But I thought Martha's voice was just so angelic that I, I, I left it in place. And uh, so anyway, it was just delightful working with her. And so uh, you have... Um you do have a Vietnamese vocalist still uh, in the band, and as well, um, uh, and somebody else who I think is uh, Vietnamese. What is the? It's not a lot of uh, of bands that that have more than one Vietnamese person in them. <laughs> well, when, when when I was in in medical school, I lived in Arlington, Virginia, for a little uh-huh. while, and I lived right near um, an area where there was a lot of. Uh, there were Vietnamese stores, Vietnamese restaurants, and uh, places that sold music. Uh-huh. And I just got hooked on this, so I've been listening to it for quite some time. And yet, at the same time, I was also playing in a what you'd think of as sort of a rock slash new wave slash punk band at the time. And uh, the two started to integrate. And so Nuck, it's N G O C, but pronounced Nuck, uh-huh. um, is a singer in Houston, and I asked her to to join me in this. And Bao Nguyen is uh, just a brilliant instrumentalist, and he now lives in Atlanta, and so they okay. came in on this record. All right. Well, now I have to say, I, I, I just speaking for myself, and perhaps uh, generalizing too much, but it seems like your average person who's followed uh, much of the public career of Neil Barnard would uh, would have kind of a hard time ima- picturing this, uh, you know white-coated figure playing in a punk new wave rock and roll band but that that's that's obviously uh part of your youth but it still uh kind of comes through here and there in 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 verdun well you have to take off the white coat actually when you put your guitar strap on it okay you'll get caught in the buttons (laughs) um well so the music uh on this album is uh of course it's hard to classify, and but that that's that's already a, um, a cliche that you know other bands are always saying, oh, "Well, we don't want to be pigeonholed." Um, but I mean, here it's really you're you're doing something so uh, idiosyncratic. I think uh, we should just to to kick this off. Uh, let's play one of the tracks 
uh, from this. This is the second cut. It's called Page of Swords. song is very evocative. Is there something um, particular? Is the lyrics are very sparse, um, very uh, a little bit ambiguous. Is there something in particular that you were going for there, or just uh, kind of a feeling of sound? Uh, perhaps a little bit of both. But the Page of Swords is a tarot card. Right. And the idea is this is a... Uh, I don't quite know where the paternal um, or almost maternal 
part of this song came from exactly, but um, imagining the frailty and the vulnerability of a, of a newborn child and looking ahead at, at, at the future. And Page of Swords is a good song. It's a sign of uh, playfulness and happiness. Um, and uh, yet at the same time, life always ends tragically. Okay. And I think as a result, both of those elements come in there. And Martha's voice is very loving and, and warm, and yet Bob's saxophone, this is Bob Gray, and uh, a person who's been uh, playing music with me for 20-some years, um, is very sort of moody and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I guess that's how those elements kind of came together. Okay. Well, now, um, listening to a lot of this, and, and again, uh, this is just one track, but uh, the the tracks, uh, many of them are, are very different from one another. But uh, there's a lot of just interesting textures going on. Sometimes there are lyrics. Sometimes it's instrumental. Uh, sometimes it's more Western sounding. Sometimes more Eastern, and it 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 kind of flows uh, freely uh, back and forth between those. And it it actually, I. I'm not sure how to listen to it. Can you give our listeners <laughs> any tips on? Well, you know, one one song that's in my mind similar to it, and that's a one that's called "Song to a Sparrow." That also has a little bit of this element of uh, thinking about vulnerability and and even tragedy in life. Right. There's also a little bit of hopelessness, and I have to say, I. I I was writing that song in the ticket line at Dulles Airport, of all places, <laughs> waiting to move forward. And uh, maybe that's where maybe that's where the tragic element comes through. But um, I was going out of the country for a while, and I worked on this song later and brought it back. And Martha sang it. And I have to say, um, even to this day, when I hear Martha sing that song, I'm likely to well up with tears. I just think she did so such a beautiful job with that. And it's literally a song about a sparrow. And uh, but can also be thought of as uh, as relating to, to human infants, too, and the tremendous vulnerability that they have. So uh, when I hear what, what she's done with that, and also that, that song, unlike the others, has uh, some cello and classical guitar in it that make it a little bit softer. Right. Well, it's true. These two are songs that, uh, I mean, the lyrics are uh, make it pretty clear what the um, how you're supposed to be listening. But, I mean, they're... Uh, let's just grab another one uh, to talk about 47, uh, which uh, is kind of musically uh, all over the place in, in terms of it seems to have a lot of different influences of making gestures in, in different directions. That's just an example. I just throwing that in as an example of um, how this this music is not like most music people <laughs> have heard before. Although I was wondering if I could ask you about some of the music that you had been listening to, because I hear uh, you know kind of echoes or elements of this or that in it, and I don't know if that's just what I'm bringing to it or whether uh, maybe you're drawing on some of that. I, I don't know where that came from. It was, I think it was a desire for a little bit of dissonance. 
the, the uh, songs that you were that we were talking about before are um, I hate to use this word, but they're in my view a little bit on the pretty side. Right. And rather than go too far with that, um, I wanted a little bit of dissonance and almost uh, um, almost a little bit of a grating sound in there. Mm-hmm. And um, through a number of, of songs, I'll use whole tone intervals and things. To, uh, right. And hopefully have achieved that. So. Okay. Could I just ask about your your musical background? Because um, one thing that be, that is very clear on this, and one part that I think would surprise most people who think of you as the spokesman for PCRM, is um, you know when they hear, oh, Dr. Neil Barnard actually has a CD of music that he's put out, and here he is playing the guitar, they expect something a little dilettantish. Like people might might just not have very high expectations, but you've definitely got uh, a lot of uh, musical chops and a lot of, you know your way around uh, uh, music, and it's pretty uh, exciting music. Where did all that come from? You, you made some mention of some musical education in your childhood. What, what was going on there? Well, thank you for those kind comments. Um, when I was a little kid, I, I think I had an experience that many children have is that you are cons- conscripted into uh, a musical education. Right. And for me, it was piano and also cello. And although I dutifully went along with lessons and playing in orchestras and whatnot, um, I have to say that I w- was um, kind of getting off track a number of times. I, I was reprimanded once for... Um, playing Home on the Range on my cello instead of the piece I was supposed to be playing. <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't really come to, to uh, really love classical music until I was somewhat older, but uh, I think it's useful to, to have your neurons programmed for it a little bit. And mm-hmm. then um, when the, the Beatles and all that sort of thing came in from you know, the, what they used to call the British Invasion, right. for me that's when black and white turned to color. And then... Uh, very soon after that, Cream and Hendrix uh, became very popular, and I was quite strongly influenced by them. And it was around there that I got my first guitar and was very taken with the music of John McLaughlin uh-huh. and the, the Mahavishnu Orchestra, which I don't know if you paid much attention to them or not, but they were very, very hard-driving and, um, and used the most complex uh, rhythms and mixed jazz with rock. Uh-huh. And I was at a uh, concert at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis and was just so taken by that particular kind of music. And um, after that, I started wandering into various kinds of um, foreign music, including some French and also Vietnamese music. And I don't know, there's got to be some way to paste those together. And <laughs> I have to say, though, though, when I write music or play it, I'm not setting out to to accomplish something, I, I'm setting out to hear something. Uh-huh. I I want something to speak to me, and so uh, quite often I write songs or record something because somebody else didn't do it, and <laughs> I wanted to hear it. So right. I I recorded it, and then I am able to listen to it. And, and the things I put on this record were simply things I wanted to hear. Well, now if I can uh, go from that to two of the covers. Uh, or the two covers that you do on the song, could I assume that uh, you had heard these songs and thought, you know, somebody, it would be great if this were just 
about twice as slow, or it would be great if somebody would just do this song, and, and well, the twice as slow one would be Purple Haze. <laughs> stand by your man and saying, you know, somebody should just strip out the melody on that and force people to listen to these lyrics. Um, or I would like to hear the song with just the lyrics, but with over a, a kind of tripping 7-4 meter. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman, giving all your love to just one man. You have bad times, you'll have good times Doing things that you don't understand So stand by your man Stand by your man Is that a fair assessment or what was your uh, motivation in, in covering those two songs in such um, bizarre ways? Well, Tammy Wynette just inserted herself um, into this song. I was... Uh, out walking my dog Betsy and uh, writing some lyrics and I started thinking about different uh, experiences that people have and somehow the the image of Tammy Wynette she, she had been in the newspapers right at that time for having been supposedly abducted and beaten up oh. and somehow that image got into this song it turned out later that that was apparently a, a hoax oh. um, that was designed to cover up abuses from her husband if you believe that account but that ended up getting into the song, and then I decided to leave out all the other lyrics that I had written and just use her own lyrics about standing by your man, right. which struck me as as standing in contrast to being having abuse heaped on you, and perhaps standing by that your man might not be the smartest thing to do at that point. Right. But anyway, um, I had written some music that was in this 7-4 rather churning kind of rhythm, and then I just put her lyrics on, on top of it. Um, and then with regard to uh, Purple Haze, I did want to hear that slow. I, I wanted to, I, I thought Hendrix played it too fast. And I just wanted to slow <laughs> the whole thing down. You can't hear what he's doing uh, on, his, uh, on his lead. So I, I, with apologies to every Hendrix fan, um, and I have to say some people, this is, uh, of all the songs on the record, this is the one that some people either love or in some cases hate. Right. Um, and too bad I did it anyway. <laughs> and so there it is. Well, let me let me just uh, follow up on that because one of the other things that is uh, interesting about the disc as a whole, and again that might surprise somebody who's expecting to hear a doctor uh, doing his side project of a of a music band, is that there there are such bold strokes. And again, I know that's a cliche, but. Uh, there seems to be a um, such a confidence in what you're doing that you you will go and uh, do things that might offend people that might that people might say hey who are you to you know who are you to say that Hendrix was playing too fast who are you to tell Tammy Wynette uh, you know that she's wrong to stand by your man who are you to and then throwing in all of the you know, you go and you'll grab uh, this Vietnamese music and put it in. You'll take this and put that up against that. I'm just wondering if you are, if you're conscious of um, kind of doing very large gestures 
that um, that kind of you know put the whole thing out there and say you know what you either like this or you don't. Uh, and there was only one one song where I was a bit nervous about that, and that's the first one, "Dream of the Black Horse," uh-huh. um, because there. I just adore the song that that was based on, which is just simply called The Black Horse, uh-huh. um, which is a, an, a very, very old Vietnamese song, and it's one that um, I think is very, very beautiful in the original. But um, I, I took it and I wanted to integrate it into uh, sort of a rock idiom, and I wanted it to be big, loud, bang, and I wanted to smash through things. And I turned the lyrics around a little bit too but then make reference to the original in, in the middle mm-hmm. and Nuck and Bao were both to my great relief very um, comfortable with all of this and uh, there's a, a, a real hero of mine named Nguyen Maylert who is uh, a Vietnamese physician mm-hmm. who sang on the very original version of this that I ever heard it was recorded in, in Saigon and I was in touch with her and uh, played this for her, and she said, "Well, that's different." <laughs> <laughs> but she was she she became a good friend, and she was just so nice about all this. So, um, of all the ones, that's one I was a little bit nervous about, but I think it came out all right. All right. Well, I was, if if I can just um, throw in a question uh, relating to the vegan the vegan thing. I mean, since this is VegCast, I mean. You know, you're not pushing a, a vegetarian agenda or anything with the the content of the band. But I wonder if the the kind of bold strokes thing that we were talking about, if you see any connection with that between that and um, a a personality where you know you're living in a uh, culture where you are an extreme minority and you're already um, forced to kind of live according to your your own rules your own ethics you have to make them up because the ethics that you're being given by the culture are not working and uh, so you're you're already you know kind of pushed out on your own there and whether you whether you think that that kind of seeps into the personality of the music that the music is constantly saying you know what here this is what it is and it's it's going to be this way whether you like it or not well, that, that's an interesting observation. Um, I have to say that with regard to this music, it's been described by some as rather unusual. Um, <laughs> at the same time, it's my hope that in doing this kind of thing that maybe somebody else might think, hey, maybe I can... Frankly, I would love it if somebody d- decided to do, to do something along some of these lines. Mm-hmm. Then I'd have somebody to talk to. <laughs> um, aside from my band members, um, I'm, I'm kidding a little bit, but no, it wasn't my. I, I didn't feel like I was out on an iceberg and um, and uh, all alone and had to strike my own path just because of that. I, frankly, I, I hope that others like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and with regard to what we're doing, whether it's ethical issues in research or promoting a better diet, a, a vegetarian or a vegan diet, um, the last thing that I want to do is huddle in a church basement on Thanksgiving and hold hands uh, as the whole rest of the world engages in, in unhealthy traditions and we're going to just uh, sit uh, sort of in our own small group and put up with it. My goal is to make what we are doing 
something that other people see as useful, as healthy, as a, as a great step forward, and that we will not be the minority, that we'll be the majority, and that, that uh, that's the same as every other movement. Mm-hmm. You start out small, you become big, you become the norm. And with our work at PCRM, needless to say, we're trying a lot of new things, but we're not doing this uh, in a small way. If we have to sue the government or sue industry, we do it. If we need to carve out a new research study to prove things that haven't been proved before, we will do it. And I think people should be, well, first of all, you should be right. And if you're right, you should be bold. Right, okay. <laughs> that's that's a very concise way of putting it. And uh, I think it, that does uh, certainly answer my question. And just uh, in terms of... Um, the music. What what's up with uh, with Verdun? What's next for the, the band? Or was it mostly just you wanted to hear these things? You put together a studio project, and now that you've got them on disc, you can listen to them when you want to. Or what's the? Uh, we we put it together as a studio project, really to see how it came together. And we took our time. We listened to drafts, and then and then uh, became a finished product. And then it ended up getting marketed around, and and there was some quite nice reviews, uh, both in the U.S. and also a number of them from England, which I'm very pleased about. And the album, you can find it on Amazon um, or on CD Baby, which is a nice service for mm-hmm. people to, to buy it on. And, and you can actually, or the uh, album has its own website, which is redonemusic.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can listen to it and see what you think. And uh, the band is, we, we are working on some more material. Mm-hmm. And I would say at the rate we're going, I'd say in about 35 years we'll have another record. <laughs> okay, could I just ask, I mean, this, this is a very obvious question that I haven't asked. Why is uh, is the band called Verdun? I mean, it's a town in France. It was important, I think, in uh, World War One. I. I can't figure out any other connotations. What? Why did this have to be called Verdun? It's a... Uh a very beautiful place and it's also it's also a tragic place with the one of the most protracted and bloodiest battles in history um and an area of tremendous pointlessness also um because i'm speaking specifically of that conflict Mm -hmm. and i wanted to just bring into the name this mixture of tremendous beauty and also uh, a little bit of a violent sound to it, um, mm-hmm. which sometimes people get right around the time you've you've heard the fourth seven four song breaking into eleven four. You get, <laughs> you, you get that little clashing uh, of stuff going on. Right. So I think the name embodies that. Okay. We will look forward to that uh, next Verdun album in twenty forty. Uh, is there anything else that uh, that we should pass pass on to the Vegcast community? Uh, listen to the first song. Turn the volume up. Enjoy it. Okay. All right, Dr. Neil Barnard of Verdun, thank you very much for joining us here on VegCast. Thank you, Van. VegCast! Okay, now just a brief word about trick or treat. That's the phrase associated with uh, Halloween food gathering. And the concept behind it, of course, is you give us a treat or we will play a trick on you. It's also the same concept behind hitting 
somebody in the face with a pie because they represent an organization whose policies you want changed. And that's what happened to Anna Wintour a couple weeks ago. Uh, the editor of Vogue was hit in the face with a pie uh, by a certain animal rights organization in retaliation for Vogue not carrying their anti-fur ads. Now, I'm not going to address the question of whether Vogue should or should not be including those ads. The question is one of tactics, and I think that it has to be said that pie-throwing is actually a low-grade form of terrorism. Uh, now, that may sound like it's overstated. Of course, no one uh, believes that their life is in danger from having a pie thrown at them. But the concept behind it as a tactical maneuver is the same. Instead of winning over your opponent with logic or with consumer pressure or with regulatory pressure, you attempt to assail the figurehead or decision maker of a particular organization in the hopes that that individual will feel personally threatened or personally embarrassed enough to uh, in enact a change that you desire. In other words, you're trying to get people to change things by attacking them and assaulting them individually. And frankly, that looks just like terrorism. And whether or not you agree with me that it is a low-grade form of terrorism, it certainly comes off that way in the mainstream media. It gives our opponents a chance to paint the entire vegetarian movement as radicals who care more about animals than about people and so forth. And I really doubt that having been hit in the face with a pie, Anna Wintour is going to say, hmm, you know, maybe I will take those ads now. I don't think so. So I am calling for anyone who is involved in this kind of campaign to stop throwing pies. Thank you. Science. Our science fact for this edition of FetchCast is as follows. Bird flu is spreading worldwide. And this is something that is scary, uh, and it's not something to really make light of. It's something we should all be paying attention to, uh, since there is still very much the possibility of a pandemic. Bird flu, of course... Uh, originally uh, confined to the Far East, China, uh, Thailand, and so forth, now has recently spread to Russia, Turkey, and Romania. Uh, it just showed up in uh, the United Kingdom just before this was recorded. It looks like that may be a different strain, so it may not be uh, the same strain of bird flu that came from, the, uh, from Asia. Uh, however, uh, the fact that it is showing up and the fact that uh, there do seem to be many ways that it can make it from one uh, country to another with the intermingling of wild birds, with uh, flocks of birds being raised for food production, uh, means that this is something we should pay attention to since what we're hoping does not happen is the mutation of the uh, avian flu virus into a form that can be passed directly from human to human. So far, uh, it does not look like it has mutated. There have been dozens of people in Asia who have died from it, but they have died from direct contact with infected birds. Uh, however, we're looking now 
at a case in Indonesia, in Jakarta, where it is possible that uh, a son may have gotten it from his father at the time that we're recording that. This That's still up in the air. There is one key way that we can stop the spread of this, which is to stop breeding birds uh, for human consumption. That's not likely to happen very soon, simply because it's more important to most people uh, to continue eating the way that they're used to eating than it is to stop a worldwide pandemic. So we have to hope that uh, vaccines uh, and uh, antiviral medication are going to be able to do something against this. Uh, we'll have to check in on that in a future edition of Science Fact. Okay, now it's time for a promo for another vegetarian podcast and for this edition. I thought it would be especially appropriate to point you to bloodthirsty vegetarians. However, they did not get their promo ready in time, so I'm just going to have to tell you about uh, that podcast, and they're going to have the promo ready for next time. Meanwhile, go check them out at bloodyveg.com, and we'll get to hear that next time. For now, though, let's wrap up this edition of VegCast after all the serious music and the disturbing news and so forth uh, with a lighthearted song uh, from Green Beings. This is one that has some Halloween resonance. It's about holding a bag of candy. You forced me to buy a big bag full of chocolates. This bag of nice chocolates you said we should buy. When you ran away, left me holding the bag. And all I can do now is sit down and cry and say, why, why, why did you leave me? Person's all 
Okay, that was Green Beings, which, as you know, is the band I'm in, but uh, that was not a song of mine that was written and performed by one of the finest comic songwriters living today, Paul Nordquist. Uh, And that about wraps it up for this VegCast, so be sure to come back next time. In November, we'll have two uh, Thanksgiving-themed shows because there's so much to say about Thanksgiving and vegetarianism. So on the next episode, we will have an interview with Karen Davis, the head of United Poultry Concerns and author of More Than a Meal, uh, which is about the status of the turkey in uh, Western culture. Uh, we'll also have some music from Maggie Pierce and EJ, a pop band of uh, vegetarians. Uh, We'll have that Bloody Vegetarians promo for you. Uh, And much more, of course. And if you have any anecdotes about Thanksgiving and how you have had to deal with uh, the whole vegetarian question with your family, please uh, let me know because I want to gather some of those together for our second Thanksgiving show. And uh, you can contact us at feedback at vegcast.com. And uh, we can either use emails or you can point me to an MP3 if you have a sound file of it or whatever. We can work that out. VegCast. Thank you to Neil Barnard for uh, letting us play so much of Verdun. And now Verdun. Okay. I'm your host, Vance. And once again, be sure to get out there and live like you mean it. See you next time on VegCast.